chapters 1 through 3 of The Paradise or Garden of the Holy Fathers, Book 1 by Palladius. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Here begins the histories of the holy men by Palladius. Chapter 1. The History of Abba Isidore, Bishop of Hermopolis, Parva, Demanbur in Lower Egypt. By the help of our Lord, I will therefore begin to write for thee, O Lausius, the histories of the Holy Fathers, and I will omit nothing concerning them, which I will not make known in my discourse, neither the histories of those who lived in the cities, or those who lived in villages, or in caves, nor of those who became famous in the desert. Nay, I will even add to my discourse the histories of those who lived among the general assembly of a community, for no special country or place wherein they lived and wherein they perfected the excellence of ascetic excellence, needs to be sought out. For everywhere they led the pure life, in conversation of chastity and integrity, and performed the deeds of the simple mind wherein. Through the help of Christ they wrought and fulfilled the lives and deeds of angels. Now at first, when I went to Alexandria, in the second counselorship of the Emperor Theodosius the Great, who now, because of the orthodoxy of his faith in Christ, sojourneth with the angels, I met in the city a wonderful man who was adorned in every respect with the most beautiful qualities of speech and knowledge and life and conversation, whose name was Isidore. He was a priest and was the overseer, i.e. manager or secretary of the hospital of the Church of Alexandria, and it was said of him that in his early youth he had lived in a monastery in the desert, and that he triumphed in the contest of the ascetic life. I saw, moreover, his cell in the mountain of Nitria. I met him when he was an old man, seventy years of age, and when he had lived fifty years longer, he departed from this world. Now to the end of his life, this holy man never put on either a linen tunic or even a head covering. He never washed and he never ate flesh. He never ate a full meal seated comfortably at a table, and yet through divine grace his body shone. He possessed a sound and healthy body, and he was, by the grace of Christ, so fully endowed with strength that those who beheld him and who did not know him would not be persuaded that he lived a life of self-denial. And they thought and said that he must lead a life of great luxury, and that he must eat abundantly of rich meats. Now if I were to undertake to declare the marvelous character of his life and deeds, and wish to recount the excellence of his soul, and to make manifest every fact concerning them, all time would not suffice for me to declare them, nor would paper suffice for me to write them. For this man was so lovingly merciful, and so full of peace, that, by the reason of orthodoxy of his faith in Christ, even his enemies, who did not believe, were put to shame by him, from his early youth up, and at his good deeds, and at the abundance of his graciousness, were put to blush, for he was gracious unto every man. Now he possessed the gift of the Spirit, and the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures, and the comprehension of divine learning, and he kept the commandments so strictly, that at noon, the time when the brethren were wont to take their food, the mind of this holy man was carried away, as it were, in a slumber, and a great number of brethren were marveling at his example and knowledge. 
and many, many times they tried to persuade him to relate unto them the things which he saw, and entreated them to tell them concerning the marvelous state which had come upon him, but he could not be persuaded to do so. Finally he was constrained by the power of their love, and he answered and said unto them, My mind departed and was carried away by contemplation, and I was snatched away by the similitude of a thought, and I was fed with the food of glory, which, however, it is impossible for me to describe. Now I knew this man, and on several occasions he burst into tears at the table, and when I asked him, What is the cause of these tears? He said unto me, I am ashamed of myself, because, being a rational being, I eat the food of an irrational creature. I desire to live in paradise, where I should enjoy the food which is imperishable. For although we have received that power which is from Christ, yet am I drawn to partake of the food which perisheth. I would partake of the food which is spiritual, and I would that I were in the paradise of delights, in the dominion which God hath given unto me. And behold, I am eating the food of the beasts. And unto this man were known all the members of the Roman Senate, and the freeborn women of the nobles of Rome, because in former times he had gone with Bishop Athanasius to that city, and he had also been there with the holy man Bishop Demetrius in Isidore, having great riches and wanting nothing. He was wont to give abundantly and without sparing to the poor and needy. And when he had ended his days and came to die, he made no will whatsoever, and he left no money to any man, and he left nothing to his brethren. To his sisters who were virgins he also left nothing, and he made no provision at all for them, but committed them to the care of Christ, saying, He who created you will provide for your living, and also whatsoever things of which ye have need, even as he hath provided for me. Now with his sisters was a company of about seventy sisters. Now when I had come unto him to be his disciple, and I was persuading him to hold me worthy of the rank of those who lived in a monastery, being in the vigor of my early manhood, and needing not the word only, but also the labor of the body, and severe physical exercises, even like the young unbroken animal, I besought him to teach me his beautiful way of life, and to let me dwell by myself, for I was heedful of nothing, being in the vigor of my early manhood, and I had no great need of doctrine, but only to learn to subdue the passions of the flesh. Then, like a good teacher, he took me outside the city, unto a place which was six miles distant, and wherein there was restful solitude, and he handed me over unto an anchorite whose name was Diathorus. Chapter 2 the history of Diathorus of Thebes, and whose life was one of spiritual excellence, and who had lived in a cave for sixty years. And he commanded me to live with him, and to lead a life of self-denial with him for a period of three years, so that the passions of the flesh might leave me. For the blessed Isidore knew that blessed old man, and he knew that his life was stern and severe, and he admonished me, saying, when thou hast completed this period of three years, return unto me for the remainder of the doctrine of spiritual knowledge. But I was unable to fulfill these three years with him, on account of a severe illness into which I fell. And so I departed from Dorotheus, 
before the end of the period, and I returned to him that had brought me out, and entered his abode, that I might learn the doctrine of the Spirit. The life of Diodorus was one of exceeding hard toil, and the manner thereof was severe, and his food was meager and wretched, and he lived on dry bread, and he used to go round about in the desert by the side of the sea the whole day long in the heat of the noonday sun, and collect stones with which he built cells, which he used to give unto the brethren who were unable to build cells for themselves. And he used to finish one cell each year. One day I said unto the holy man, Father, why workest thou thus in thine old age? For thou wilt kill thy body in all this heat. And he said unto me, I kill it, lest it should kill me. He used to eat one small bread cake, which weighed about six ounces each day, and a little bundle of green herbs, and he drank water by measure. What then I know not. As God is my witness, I never saw this man stretch out his legs and lie down as men are wont to do. And he never slept upon a bed of palm leaves or upon anything else, but he used to work the whole night long, weaving baskets made of palm leaves, to provide himself with the daily bread which he required in food. Now I imagined at first that he used to work in this manner because I was present. And then I thought, peradventure it is only for my sake, and to show me how to perform such severe labors that he doeth this. So I made inquiries of many of those who had been his disciples, and who were then living by themselves, and were emulating his spiritual excellencies. And I also asked others of his disciples, who were living by his side, if in very truth he always labored in this wise. And they said unto me, He hath held to this practice from his youth up, and he hath never been in the habit of sleeping to what is right. In the daytime he never sleepeth willingly, but sometimes when he is working with his hands, or when he is eating, he closeth his eyes, and is snatched away by slumber. As he sitteth working, he eateth, and unless slumber overcame him suddenly, he would never sleep at all. Many and many a time he is overcome by slumber while he is eating, and the morsel of bread falleth out of his mouth, because he is overcome by drowsiness. And when from time to time I used to urge him to sit down, or to throw himself upon a mat of palm leaves, and to rest a little, he would answer and say unto me in a grieved manner, If thou art able to persuade the angels to sleep, then thou wilt be able to persuade me. One day, towards the ninth hour, Dorotheus sent me to the fountain from which he drank water to fetch him some water, so that he might eat his meal, for he used to eat about this time. And when I had gone there, I chanced to see a viper going down the well, and because of my fear I was unable to fill the pitcher with water, and I went back to him and said unto him, O father, we shall die, for I have seen a viper going down into the water. And when he heard these words, he laughed reverently, and constrained himself, and lifted up his face, and looked at me not a little time. And he shook his head, and said unto me, If it were to happen that Satan had power to show thee in every fountain an asp, or again to cast into them vipers, or serpents, or tortoises, or any other kinds of venomous reptiles, wouldst thou be able to do without drinking water entirely? And when he had said these words unto me, he went forth and departed to the fountain and drew water, 
and brought it back, and having made the sign of the cross over it, he straightway drank therefrom before he ate anything. And he constrained me to drink, and said unto me, Where the seal or sign of the cross is, the wickedness of Satan has no power to do harm. And this blessed man Isidore, the overseer of the hospital in Alexandria, related unto me the following story, which is worthy of record. And he heard it from the blessed Antony, where he lived with him in the desert in the days of Emperor Maximinius, the persecutor. Chapter 3. The History of the Virgin Patimiena. There was a certain young virgin called Patimiena, who was exceedingly beautiful, and she was a Christian. She was the handmaiden of a certain worldly man who was given over to a life of pleasure, and she lived in a very great luxury, and her master flattered her greatly, wishing to destroy her, and being unable to bring her into subjection to his will, he at length was seized with madness, and became furiously angry with her, and delivered her over to a certain prefect, who lived at that time in Alexandria, i.e. Basilides, saying, She is a Christian, and she revileth the government, and uttereth blasphemies against the emperor. And he promised to give him much money, saying, If she can be persuaded to do my will, keep her for me without disgrace and punishment. But if she persisteth in her obstinacy of heart, punish her with every kind of torture thou pleasest, and let her not remain alive to laugh at me and at my luxurious way of life. And when they had brought the valiant woman before the throne of the judges, she was greatly moved, but she was not persuaded. And the prefect tortured the body of the Virgin of Christ with many different kinds of tortures. Then again, after these things, he thought out a crafty plan and invented a method of punishment by torture, which was as follows. He commanded them to bring a huge cauldron, which was full of pitch, and to light a fierce fire under it. And when the pitch was melted and was boiling, the judge cried to her, saying, Go thou and submit thyself to the will of thy Lord. And know thou, if thou dost not this thing, thou shalt straightway fall into this cauldron. Now when she heard this, she sealed her soul, and answered and said, Thou judgest with iniquity, O judge, for thou commandest me to become subject unto fornication, and I am the handmaiden of Christ. And it is meet that I should stand before his throne without blemish. And when the judge heard this, he was straightway troubled greatly, and filled with wrath, and he commanded them to bring her and cast her into the cauldron. Then the virgin said unto him, I adjure thee, by the head of the emperor, if thou commandest me to do this thing of thine own self, to command them to put me into the cauldron little by little, without stripping my apparel from me, so that thou mayest know the patient endurance which I have through Christ for the sake of my purity. And as they were dipping her little by little into the cauldron, for a very short space of time, immediately the pitch reached her neck, it became cold. Thus she delivered her soul unto God, and she was crowned with a good martyrdom, and a great congregation of holy men and women were made perfect, i.e. they suffered martyrdom, at that time in the church of Alexandria, and they became worthy of that land which the meek inherit. Potemia was martyred, and her mother, Marcella, in the reign of Septimius Severus. Here ends the triumphs of Isidore and Dorotheus and the Virgin Potemiana.
End of chapters 1 through 3.